Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers in the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 344, Gen Con Hotness for 2021. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. So, Gen Con's over? Right? It's kind of weird, I guess. You know, apparently it happened, and then it's over, and now we're moving on. You know? <laughs> it's been so long since I haven't been part of Gen Con, because... <laughs> Longer you didn't go me. two years ago, but I did. Yeah. Last year they didn't have one. So it's 2014 was the last time sure. that one of us was not involved in Gen Con. So yeah. that was the last time where we like logged on afterwards. And we're like, what happened? What should I care about? And then now I'm like, I don't even know where to go to find that information because I'm usually there. So It's been a very weird time. Obviously, we're still living through a very weird time where time and space don't have any particular meaning. So it's not terribly surprising that Gen Con could come and gone with, you know, basically not even a whisper. I mean, I, I barely saw anything online. Some of that was because they had a limited crowd, limited publishers, limited stock, limited games coming out. And obviously because it was in mid-September, which it's yeah. usually in the beginning of August. So like people are doing stuff and they're back in school and working and, so and it's during the it's during the Jewish holidays too, which is again like weird and and it's and it's and it's it's before Origins, which is also seems very weird because that's never really been a thing, at least not that I know of, at least not in recent history. So, yeah, it's a weird one. I don't know what to do with it. I I mean I kind of I wrote it off as soon as they announced when they were going to put it because I knew I couldn't make it, and then I haven't yeah. really paid much attention. And then I was like a little FOMO early on in the year when they were talking about the games coming out this fall and then yes. all of them got delayed. We'll talk they about did. that in a little bit, but all the big stuff is like shrug question mark when it comes out. So I'm just like, I don't know. I don't feel like I missed much except, you know, the experience of Gen Con is an experience. We missed that, but we did like, from a game standpoint. Mm, yeah, I don't have time to play games right now. Anyway, so. it really is true. And, and I think that's, I had the FOMO. I, I felt like I was missing out on an experience on and off. I was watching Twitter and Instagram and, and you know, trying to see if anyone was posting on Twitch. And it's kind of been like, it was good. You know, there was obviously some minor issues, some definitely some COVID issues. And as you mentioned, Anthony, there was some game supply issues on top of everything else. But um, seems like everyone generally had a good time. Hopefully everyone was very safe. I mean, Origins is next week, which is, again, very weird and strange. And I hope for everyone's safety, especially since it's almost literally the same group of people that all co-mingled a week later. So <laughs> I just don't. I'm hoping. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, it. like you said, it's two weeks. So we should know mm -hmm. by then if there is an issue. And hopefully not. And everybody's like, Cool. It worked. You're all healthy. Everybody's good. Thank God. You yeah. know, play some games. Please. But yeah, um, fingers crossed. The news today from the Pfizer saying that maybe the kids can get the shots in the next month. I'm like, oh, Pax, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I, I think you and I even had talked about, I don't know if was it this year or last year that we were talking about going to Essen. Essen Spiel. It was, we literally had a detailed conversation, including logistics mm -hmm. and budget. <laughs> at the very beginning of February. Okay. 
of last year. Of like, last year. <laughs> like they COVID had been a thing on CNN about some weird thing in China for about two weeks at that point. And we were like, gotcha. not even remotely on our radar. Nope. And it was like legitimately we're considered it, considering doing it. And then yeah. within two weeks, we're like, maybe probably shouldn't buy a ticket right now. And then two weeks later, like, oh, we definitely can't do that. And two weeks later, like, we're never leaving this country again. <laughs> so. It's true. So uh, for all of you out there, hopefully you had a great time with Gen Con. If you were not able to attend Gen Con, Anthony will talk about the hotness, the, the hot games coming out of Gen Con on our feature review. So stick with us. I think you'll want to hear about those and how they fared or didn't fare, I guess, at least at this point. And obviously stick with us because, again, Origins News is going to be coming up pretty soon. We'll be talking about the game fair there. Obviously, what's going on with Kama these days and some of the particular challenges that's going on at different different conventions around the country, I guess, around the world as well. But Anthony, before we get into all that kind of fun stuff on our feature review, we do, in fact, have a little thing that we like to call Question of the Week, my friend. So what is our Question of the Week? Question of the Week this week is, Mm -hmm. what is a game you've never played without Uh the expansion? That's hard for me. Never played the base (laughs) game version of. Are there any that you'd never go back on? So, Wow. yeah, this is a tough one because we've asked people like, "What's what's one that you would always would use the expansion for?" But like, what's one sure. you've never played without the expansion? So there's actually a couple in here that apply to me. Uh, I don't know if I can think of any others, but we'll run through the the listeners first. Mm-hmm. So David mentions role player um, late to the party and introduced by some friends who played my first game with all the expansions thrown in. Really enjoyed the game. Bought a copy. Got the expansions. Sure. Haven't played without since. So that is a common thing i've seen like if you play with all the stuff in there you're like well i don't want to go back and take this stuff out you know yeah might as well play with all of it in there uh matt mentions a couple of answers um first one doesn't really count in his mind he says settlers of Catan always plays with the five to six player expansion true um not really a content driven expansion but always plays with that and then battlestar galactica always play with pegasus so it's never yes. played without Pegasus expansion. Hundred percent agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, Carlos says we have not played Anachrony without the Fractures of Time expansion, and doesn't expect we ever will. Uh, the extra planning necessary to move your workers a second time is delightfully brain burning. I have not actually played with the Fractures of Time expansion at all yet, so <laughs> I, I look forward to doing so. But I got my jumbo, ridiculous box of Anachrony up on the shelf. And I, I need much larger space in which to lay it out. Um, I've actually never, things. I've actually never played that without the miniatures. So oh, that counts. It's a miniature expansion. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That is mm-hmm. an expansion. It counts. I count it. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Um, Tim says champions of Midgard got to have them all. That I mean, that game definitely elevates quite a bit with all the extra stuff thrown in the two extra maps. Mm-hmm. Um. We have Josiah mentions the big elephant in the room. This is the one that everybody would probably answer. Ticket to Ride with the 1910 expansion. Exactly. So yeah. Basically giving you normal sized cards and some better like goals to, to work towards at the end of the game there. Um, Brian mentions Runebound 3rd Edition with Unbreakable Bonds. So he plays mostly solo and Unbreakable Bonds makes the game much, much better. Which I've heard from many people. That's like an essential solo expansion. Which is, of course, out of print. Both games are very hard mm. to find. But if you had it when it came out. <laughs> um, 
And then uh, a couple more mentions here, Dark Moon, Spirit Island, um, Dominion, although Dominion, who even knows what it all is mixed in there half the time. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of games, uh, ones that come with expansions, stuff that maybe you got on Kickstarter and you just threw everything in. Sure. Um, I don't think I have any that I've never played without the expansion, at least none that I own, except sure. for something, yeah, like Ticket to Ride, where you just buy that and throw that in the box. But uh, I don't know. Can you think of anything? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, I. I have played Ticket to Ride, the original version of it with the smaller cards. I don't mind the small cards, actually. I know I'm like oh, literally the only one that bothers it. But a game that I've I've always played with the expansion would be uh, Kingsburg. Because I bought mm. that game and I bought the expansion. And the expansion comes with the bigger boards where you could do more things. And for the longest time, I, I'm not sure if this is still true, but for the longest time, I've kept both sets of boards. And every once in a while, like you again, you get somebody who's a new player, or you look at the, the boards you've never played, and you're like, hey, I should play with the smaller board with the limited limited options, you know. And it also came with, I think, different ways to kind of like make the decision on how much troops you were gonna put out there. And I'm just like, this is far in this is far inferior to the expansion, like dramatically. It's not even like this is a variation of a game you would want to play. Like, this is better. I think I think what it happened yeah. was like you had the tokens and instead in the original one you rolled a die, which is completely random. So it was just like, no, I can't I couldn't force myself to go back to the base game, even though I do love the game. So weird. Just weird, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's a good. One. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think there. I think again, back in the day, it used to be that there was more time between the base games and the expansions, and now those things are just kind of in there above and beyond. I guess the only other thing I probably could mention is all the other games that come with like multiple factions that you just want to throw in, like so it's like mm. small world. Like, of course, you want to have more factions or like. Arcadia Quest came with a bunch of extra stuff through Kickstarter, and you don't even think about it, but you just throw it in there naturally, and you're like, and the rest, <laughs> you know? And you're just like, well, this random combination doesn't work. Well, that was because it was part of this weird kind of Kickstarter expansion. <laughs> right. But, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's a good point, yeah, because I, I was just trying to think of Kickstarters like that, but Blood Rage oh my God. is a good one for me. Like, yes, I got all that stuff been. in the original Kickstarter. I threw it all in the box. I've always played with the Mystics, and I've always played with the Gods. Like they're always in the game, and I don't, I don't know what it's like without them because they're just they're really? in the box. You might as well put them on the board. So yeah, I've I rarely play with the Gods. I have played with them, but I rarely do. But I've always played with the Mystics. Again, if people are like, "Oh, we got to pull the Mystic stuff out," like, of course you do because that's a little bit extra. Yeah, I think Kickstarter has changed that formula completely. I think that's yeah. that's a fair point that we'll never go back to that kind of idea that like an expansion is kind of like expendable, right? You spent all this money, of course. It used to be back in the day. I mean, literally, we're, we're at the point, Anthony, we've been up doing a podcast long enough that we could actually say the words back, back in, in the, the day. day. <laughs> right. That again, that the base game was pretty established because it did have real table time. And then when the expansion comes out, the expansion was expendable, right? Like, oh, maybe we will, we will or won't play with the expansion, right? Like, it's not necessarily essential for the game. 
And, oh, we have a new player. Let's not play with the expansion. And now it's the opposite. Like, I paid $200 for this game. I'm playing right. with the expansion. I'm throwing all the extra stuff in, even if it's not play tested. So, yeah, I think that's – it's kind of go the opposite. So that's a really good question because I think that's a rarity now more 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 than ever or it's come back around, I guess. There was a time and now we're back to the Kickstarter way of existing. Right. So, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> All right, so if you'd like to answer the question today, please hit us up. Facebook and Twitter are best. But again, you could always find us on BoardGamersAnonymous.com. And again, wherever you leave a comment, even if it's some random rock somewhere on the road, somehow we'll find it, we'll read it, and we'll get back to you. We love hearing from you, and especially your question of the week. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's happening with our listeners. Let's get on to the things that we want to get to the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. Okie dokie. Uh, the new one for me uh, that I've been keeping my eye on is Origins First Builders. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Borden Dice's big uh, fall release. And so they weren't at Gen Con. Like a lot of companies, they didn't make it. They are based in Europe. And for all the many reasons, that's just logistically a nightmare to get over here, plus health reasons. So they sure. did not come. But they were doing demos on uh, Gen Con online, and I have seen a lot of information about the game, so a lot of people had a chance to kind of take a look at it. This is designed by Adam Kwapinski, who um, you may know from his work uh, on games like Nemesis and Frostpunk and Lords of Hellas. So some really big stuff, right? Uh, specifically Nemesis, which is like top 20 now, I think, of all time, which is crazy to me. <laughs> Maybe because I've never played it, so I, you know. I feel like I've played most of those games in the top 100, but when one like shoots up that much and I haven't even know much about it, I'm like, where'd that come from? Um, so this game is uh, more of a Euro. So less of the, you know, his, his other games are like dudes on a map, but this one's more of like a civilization building Euro game. Um, but it's not like traditional US or uh, world civilizations. It's like a kind of a sci-fi fantasy type of world. Mm-hmm. And so you are on this devoted planet, you're trying to build up the city. You're like an archon, which is a nice sci-fi word. Um, and you have a, a population of people. You're trying to build different buildings and monuments and move up these temple tracks and, and do all the cool stuff that you do in a Euro game. Right. Um, and so the, the, in the beginning of the game, you have just a city with a couple tiles, the Agora and the palace. And as it, the game develops, you're going to get, you know, new tiles, new bits, new pieces, and just kind of grow. Right. Um, so on your turn, you're going to do things like visiting encounter sites with your workers, kind of worker placement element, um, closing a district, gaining victory points by kind of filling in what you've been building, building towers to increase your endgame scoring possibilities, growing your population so you can do more stuff down the way. And it looks really interesting. You know, it it's I, it, like a lot of its games, um, and I played Lord's Palace, but a lot of the games from what I've seen and from what I have played take a lot of different mechanics and ideas from other genres and other games and kind of mash them together a little bit. And that's what this seems like, right? It's got basic core city building civilization style elements to it, but mechanically they're like, well, there's some worker placement over here with the dice and we have some drafting, some tile placement um, and it all kind of meshes together and you're, you're building something out of it. So I don't know if it's going to be good because sometimes those mishmashy games can be a little muddled but i like the theme and i like the mechanics that he's pulling from and i like the games of his that i played i do like quite a bit so 
I am uh, looking forward to getting a chance to try this uh, once they can get it on a boat and get it to the U.S. or whatever is going on there with fulfillment. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It has a solo mode as well, uh, it looks like. So I will certainly be trying that out when it comes in. Yeah, and it's a it's a sol- solo mode by uh, D- uh, David Turchi too. So oh, well. you know that. Yeah. <laughs> See, I sold you on the game, buddy. More yeah, dice. no, I, I want my. I don't uh, know if that sells me on the game taste. or not because then his rule book <laughs> ends up being bigger than the original rule book. You're like, here's the solo rule book. It's 27 pages. <laughs> I know he he he, he throws oh, himself Turchi. into it. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're I, really I, good I, once you get through it, but it's it's. Tough. <laughs> No, I mean it's it's good. He's very passionate about his solo playthroughs, and, and I appreciate that. Like you said, whether or not they are you know out, of outstanding variation or quality is a different story. But no, this this looks fun. This is it. It does just by the bare looks of it. It does seem like you said it's a mishmash of some of other mechanics, but it does seem streamlined. It doesn't seem like it's just widely like sometimes you see like games that mishmash. Like you literally see like four or five different boards. And you're like, I don't want that. Like, it has to yeah. kind of some tie in. And this looks like it does, at least from the looks of it or the layout of it, it does look like design wise, it does play together. Yeah. So yeah, there's one yeah. central board, you have one little player mat, and then you, you're building a tableau. So it's like a normal Euro footprint. It's not crazy. It's not like Nemesis, which is like three tables worth of stuff. So yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. So I want to talk about a game that is currently on Kickstarter. And it's, uh, a game from Flatout Games, who's producing some pretty cool games lately. This is Verdant, a puzzly spatial board game of houseplant collection and care with gorgeous artwork by Beth Sobel. Now, uh, Beth is Sobel has done so many great things. I mean, just that alone really attracted me. You probably know her work from Wingspan or Viticulture or Calico, I think is the most recent thing. Um, Arboretum was a game that really attracted me early on uh and again lantern she does just she does a really solid job in her artwork across the board it's just it's really beautiful it's really scenic it's it's very vibrant and it's colors so again of course if you're going to have a game that has beautiful plants and she's done this with several of her other games she does a really good job of expressing that kind of um homey kind of environment that plants kind of provide for us and the box cover and the individual cards themselves are gorgeous. And since the game itself is very much about building a tableau of these different house plans, along with the different lighting sources and different, um, you know, little pieces that go along with it, whether it's animals or um, additional items or carpets or things like that, um, it's really cool. It, they, it's a very smart idea. If you're going to have a tableau, bring in an artist who can kind of really light up the stage there. And she does. Mm-hmm. This is a really um, beautiful game. And again, it's another game with, that I like to see because I have pretty much every farming game that I'll ever need. And it's not to say I won't <laughs> buy more farming games, but, you know, or more space battling, you know, or medieval night kind of games. But, you know, bro, give give me something different. Like mix it up a little bit. So, I like the idea here. I like the artwork here. And again, Flat Out Games has done a really decent job with their Kickstarters up to this point. And uh, Calico has blown up big time. And again, I think, you, Anthony, did you talk about, um, is it Cas- um, Cassadia? Cassadia, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, I was yeah, going to mention and you, that. And you like that, right? 
I loved it. Yeah, I gave it a buy. It was it's fantastic. So I and it's it's again Beth Sobel's artwork, which is amazing. You know, and she's she's from that area too, which just makes it that much more exciting for me. That game. So yeah, and what I like about their games too, especially when you deal with Kickstarter these days, everything is insanely priced. And, yeah. and again, <laughs> Beth Sobel's artwork, she deserves kind of insane prices because, again, you're going to get these individual pieces of artwork here. And I'll talk about the gameplay in a second, but I do want to mention this game and the last two games that they put out is only $29, yep. which is, in this time and space, is crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, this this game could have easily been $49, and you would have been like, sure, $49, I'll, I'll pay $49 for this game. Like, why wouldn't I, right? Great artwork, it's got some wood pieces, it's got some little chits and things like that. I mean, the box itself does make it seem like there's more game in here than, you know, than there really is, but... Uh, yeah, this game is $29, folks. So, uh, you know, there is still shipping that, that goes along with that, but I think that's a very good price. And again, they don't have one of those crazy kind of insane situations unless you want a hand-signed, super-duper edition of this. But um, let's talk about the actual gameplay itself. So I mentioned it's about houseplants, which is seems like strange and different, but I love it. I mean, like, that is so cool. Like, we're talking about houseplants and you know, something near and dear to a lot of our hearts that it's great to get a great plant in there. Now, the game itself is rather simple. So this is not a hardcore Euro game that's going to burn your brain a little bit. This is definitely more towards the light gamer, gateway gamer, family game that you can get to the table. And again, basically what we're looking at is these different uh, plants that come into play in order to build a tableau. So basically at the start, you're going to draft a card and a token. So maybe you draft a particular houseplant with a token that matches along with it, or you pick the room itself. And again, the same token that goes along with it. Now, the tokens are different colors. The cards, the rooms are different colors. The rooms have like a very artistic style, whether that's supposed to be wallpaper or carpet, I'm not sure. And then the cards themselves have different elements to them as far as particular scoring that goes along with it but also each side of the card provides a different amount of light so when you place the rooms next to the plants you want to match it up in such a way that it it provides the light that that particular plant needs so the cards are not just pretty pictures but they offer a lot of information so think wingspan but for plants and it's got a, a nice little flavor text and it's got the real um you know, information about what the plant is and, you know, the background there. So I like that. I think that's really great. And then obviously, once you're able to match up the room with the plant, you'll score victory points throughout the game. And then obviously there's, I talked about this before, there's these little tokens, they could be furniture, they could be pets, different way to support and grow the plants to score additional points. And again, it's a fun little game. It's $29. Uh, they do make a commitment to environmental concerns, so they understand that they are basically pulling cardboard uh, from an environment that's being hit a little bit. So they do their best to kind of give back to nature a little bit in that way. So it's currently on Kickstarter. It's currently funded, so you don't have to worry about that. Anthony, honestly, I, I want to kind of say, like, when was the last time there was ever a game, or it feels like when was the last time there was a game that did not meet a pledge goal or like we were worried about it, but... Uh, this is not one of them. It was an $8,000 <laughs> goal. 
so they were not using Kickstarter for real backing. They were just using it for a marketing platform. It's currently at $154,000 plus. So for $29 plus shipping, you could put this wonderful you know house plant game into your house. Looks good, man. I might back that. 29 bucks. And Cascadia was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I might be on that. Yeah. So yeah, that's and that's again, uh good game all around, good pedigree, everything that you could probably ask for that kind of game. So uh check it out. All right. So those are the games that we are currently hoping that lands on our table and next to our houseplants, I guess. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Could a could a board game I guess a board game in this situation would lend light or health to other house plants, right? You get to play the game and you're like, oh, this plant really does need light and should not be in my basement. <laughs> I see what I was doing wrong all this time. So that makes all the sense in the world. Anyhow, let's talk about the games that did hit the table and we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play, you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge, you should avoid them. Or if those games are in fact the dreaded burn and, you know, you should avoid the metal cost because, yeah, man, burn, burn. It's just not a good game. Run away. <laughs> so this week I have a really interesting game for you because it's a game that typically I would not pick up, and I actually didn't pick it up, but uh, a friend of the family picked it up, and this game is called The Golden Ticket Game. So not surprising here. We t- we're talking about Wonka bars. We're talking about Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, And we are talking about a mass market kind of produced game from Buffalo Games. Now, I was not too familiar with Buffalo Games going into here. Like when I saw that this was in all of those kind of like big box store kind of games, I was like, oh, cool. This is like a Funko game or a Phosphorus Hall game. And it's like, nope, this is just a brand new company that has been putting games out for quite some time, but nothing that's really risen to this point. Or I guess at this point now they actually have a, significant ip to play with so i'm like oh cool let's let's check this one out now this game because it's more of a mass market game uh i don't see it i didn't see it on the box the the artist here is ac at Sinsa. there's no artist you know on the box particularly this is according to board game geek and as we talked about buffalo games so this is the ip from your childhood we're talking about the original version of you know Willy Wonka right so basically in the game you are one of the children and you are trying to get the golden ticket in order to win the chocolate factory now how do you do that well there is a little bit of a three by three grid of these different locations in which you can visit to do a number of different things in order to be able to get Wonka bars now here's the real fun part of the game this is This is literally the crux of the game. At the start of the game, you will stick, depending on the number of players, one one less golden ticket for the number of players that are in play, you will stick golden tickets behind this plastic Wonka bar, you know, kind of chocolate bar situation, and then you slip into the sleeve, you mix up the bars, and there is a lot of bars in this game, so you don't have to worry about, you know, just randomly finding it just by looking at it. It's actually well hidden. All the components are very nice, and you're just running around the game board until all the bo- all the different Wonka bars are finally taken up in order to get money to buy Wonka bars or to play special action cards that are going to give you special abilities that will give you Wonka bars or mess with other people throughout the game. 
So throughout the game, you're getting Wonka bars. At the end of the game, you all go through your Wonka bars and you see who has the golden ticket or number of golden tickets because that's also possible in this game as well. Whoever has golden tickets wins. So you can actually have multiple players win the game, although there'll be, there'll be one less than the number of players, which means one player could have them all or multiple people can have a number of them. And again, it's just a very simple move the meeple around on the spot, take the action on the spot or take the action on the card. And each of the different children, all from the movie, actually have a special ability that comes into play throughout the game. It is a really fun family game. Uh, the mechanic that you could be awesome at this game, like if you played this with kids, like you could just be like an adult and just crush this game and get like <laughs> 90% of the Wonka bars and that kid just pulls out one or two and they win because it happens to be the ones they pull out. In any other game, like for example, Killer Bunnies, that mechanic annoys the heck out of me because I just rock that game. But the IP of this game, the thematic appeal of the game is that Charlie had this one bar. And that one bar is what got him the golden ticket to get to the factory, which eventually, spoilers alerts, right? Um, he, he gets the factory, right? Where everyone else had endless amounts of Wonka bars and did not get that. So because it thematically plays well, it does not bother me. You know, it does not it does not bother me as a more of a game experience than a game, although it's kind of fun for the odds. Like if you just pull one Wonka or two Wonka bars and then someone else pulls 10 and they don't get it, which is completely possible. I mean, the odds are in your favor if you have more. Artwork's good. Components are good. The Wonka bars, I think this game might be somewhat of a classic as time goes on. It really does a great job as a mass market big box game the golden ticket game gets a buy from me i i didn't think i was going to say that i didn't think i was going to believe it but here it is it gets a buy for me <laughs> that game's cute man i love that that's really yeah. clever i hadn't seen that before and like it's, i really want to eat that chocolate it looks like real chocolate it, it does. does like i'm looking at the pictures i'm like does it come with chocolate no i was I like originally i know originally i was just like oh cool um, they put real chocolate. Well, that's kind of a bummer because you're going to eat it and that's going to be the end of the game because I, I do think there was at least one board game that actually did have real chocolate in it. And that was like, I guess you could eat it and that kind of ruins the game. But the right. box itself <laughs> is a little downplayed, but it, it has a classic look. The back of the box, you know, has the Gene Wilder, uh, you know, character in there, Willy Wonka. And it really gives a good feel for it. So, yeah, I th this game's a buy. If, if you go down to your big box store and you want to pick up a game for the family, for the friends, it's just a good time. And again, like I said, the mechanic doesn't kill you here. So if you're a hardcore gamer or Euro gamer and you're like, that's crazy. I got all the bars but one and somebody else won. I'm like, that's the movie, my friend. That's literally the yep. movie. That's Willy Wonka. <laughs> that's Charlie and the Trollica Factory. Um, however you want to take it, the Willy Wonka version's better. Gene Wilder's a genius, but nonetheless. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. So uh, check it out. And again, if you have not seen the movie, you owe it to yourself to see the movie. Like, there are certainly some elements that are a little out of place, but there are some elements that are iconic. So watch the movie, play the game, good time, solid buy for me. Um, yeah, glad I got a chance to play it. Was not my copy, but I will be purchasing it. 
All right, so that is everything from our At the Table. Let's get on to the games that we would love to see if we were at Gen Con 2021, so much so that we made it our feature review. You love the hotness. We love to bring it to you. Our man of the beat, of the Gen Con, from a distance, Anthony Chaffield, bring us Gen Con Hotness 2021. All right, so uh, here's how I did this, because typically we have our own personal experience combined with what games we purchased and played combined with board game geeks, like very unscientific rating system uh, where people vote on things. We don't have any of that this year. So I had to base it off of the experience of other people. Um, Very unscientific again. Uh, So what we did is we looked through, we see what people were picking up. We looked at people's Gen Con halls. We looked at what people are talking about. And then also just what's in the actual hotness, right? So I have eight or nine games here that people were actually able to purchase that seemed to be fairly hot. And then also some other games that were not available for purchase, but everybody was just talking about anyways, because they were for demo and they're, you know, finally getting a chance to play them. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the games people were able to pick up. uh, Because these are interesting and there's a theme here. So we'll see if you can pick up on it. (laughs) Um, First one is mind. I'm just gonna say management, but it's MGMT. Uh, the Psychic ex- Espionage Game. Uh, this is from Jay Cormier and Senfun Lim off the page games. And it is based on a comic book series. Um, the artwork in the game is from Mark, Matt Kint, or Kind, uh, who did the artwork for, uh, and, and I believe the writing, I think he, he's both, because it's like a, an image comic steal uh, for the comic book series of the same name. So this is completely based on a comic book with artwork from the comic books, which is very cool. Uh, so um, it's a grid movement, hidden movement type of game, team-based game. So talking about like, um, I think people are comparing like Spectre Ops kind of a thing, uh, which is very cool. Uh, fantastic looking artwork. I'm, I'm super psyched for this. I didn't know much about it, but having looked around of all this different information, it's been around for a while, but it was available for people to finally play and pick up. Um, a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Next one people could buy was Dinosaur World. This is a Kickstarter. So many of us are waiting on our copies or some elements from this Kickstarter. Uh, I think copies destined for the U.S. are like most Kickstarters right now, stuck on a boat or waiting to get on a boat. But um, the game is done and people are getting it. And they did have some copies of Gen Con that some people were able to pick up. So this is the blown out uh, larger hex tile version of uh, um, Dinosaur Island that we all know and love. So looking forward to this, personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Furnace is the new game from Arcane Wonders. This is designed by Yvonne Lachine, um, who is the designer of Smartphone Inc., which was one of my favorite games from a couple years ago. Uh, Both of ours, I think. Mm -hmm. And this is a industrial industrial manufacturing type of game but with an auction and bidding mechanic it's fairly inexpensive it's like 30 or 40 dollars and um just released so it was a definitely gen con release and it was up on amazon too i don't know if it's still in stock but it released everywhere they somehow managed to pull that off where they had copies everywhere to release um i'm very excited to play this once i'm able to find two or three other people to sit down and play it with because it does have an auction mechanism so i cannot play it solo (laughs) Uh, Great Western Trail, second edition. Uh, so Eggerspiel and Plan B, they made a big deal out of this um, coming into 
Gen Con. Obviously, they you know wanted to. I think they're releasing this year, this year, another version next year, and another version in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think either of us are the biggest Great Western Trail fans, but it is one of the top-rated games of all time on Board Game Geek, so a lot of people are very excited about it, and a lot of people picked it up. So uh, I probably will play it if someone puts it in front of me, but I don't know I'll go out of my way to get it. But I am interested to know if they change anything in this edition or if it's just updated artwork. That was one of the games where the expansion actually made the game worse. And I've never... Right. I won't say I never, but I rarely experienced that with an expansion. I've never met an expansion I don't like until I met that expansion. I was like, right. oh, cool. Now the game is longer and more boring. I don't know. Why would you do that? Like, no. So <laughs> that that actually becomes one of those situations where I, I don't... I, I would never play with the expansion, which is weird for me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do wonder if they like integrated parts of it or if they're going to re-release the expansion later. Sure. Uh, I think that's what I heard. It's just the base game, no expansion, but... What works see. better? It, Yeah, yeah, I do like that. that. That old cover was not good. Oof, that was a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, another re-implementation or update here, Gravwell 2nd Edition. Very exciting. Uh, our good friend Daniel loved this game, one of his favorite games. Mm-hmm. I love the cover for this, by the way. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Like all those ships racing. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, it deserves that. Yeah. Yeah. That original cover wasn't bad either, but it's this one's just really nice. I, I did have a chance to play this a couple of times too. Like I know Daniel always tried to get it out and I never got a chance to play, but I did. And it is a lot of fun. So it's really cool. They're bringing it back. If people get a chance to pick it up. I mean, like you said, that was a big, a big, he was a big fan of that. And that's, a, that's a tough game. That's definitely like yeah. there's a lot of player interaction, and you don't see that in a lot of games out there, especially of that type. Um, I thought, I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it just like the name? That just the name of the game was on the cover. First edition of Gravwell. Um, I think it was. No, just there was a, a ship like shooting out of a. It was, it was a decent cover too. I just really like okay. this one. It was like a blue green thing. Sure. No, I think that might even have been a re a reprint. I think it was a little more boring to that nature, oh, if yeah. I remember correctly. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. It was actually just the name Gravwell and then some kind of like weird symbol on it. I think I think what you're thinking of was the revised cover. Now there's the revised revised cover, so uh, okay. it was like green and purple with kind of a grid kind of thing. So I don't think it gave that thematic feel that it deserved. So yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no exciting. Uh, <laughs> here's a here's a fun one for you, Galaxy Trucker. Oh, that's no. got a new edition. <laughs> no, no, um, no. It's a re it's a reimplementation. Uh, it's in a smaller box, I think. I think they've consolidated it Jeez. down, and I think it's relatively affordable. <laughs> consider, I mean, it's CGE. Their games are generally affordable, but I think it's you know they definitely streamlined it a bit. Um, so it's got new artwork, more ship tiles, tweaked card effects, streamlined gameplay. So only one flight through space now. So instead of the three flight thing. Oh, thank goodness. But you can also do that if you want three flights. You can still do that. I I had heard this game was coming out way back when that it was being like reprinted and revised. I did actually reach out to CGE and said, you know, I'd be happy to revisit this game and hopefully like it. Um, I didn't say it like yeah. that. <laughs> But clearly they heard that I did not like it. So maybe that's why I did not get a copy of it, which is fine because <laughs> I did not like that. But maybe, you know, you got to be open to trying new things. So that's 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 what we're here for yeah. in life, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I will say uh, this artwork 
significantly better than the old artwork. Oh yeah, dramatically. Yep. That old stuff so. was some nineties bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, next up, we have the loop. Uh, this one's from Pandasaurus Games as well, and I was trying to figure out how to like describe this in like the two sentences I give myself for this, but I really can't. It's like a, it's a cooperative game, but it's got like cubish tower type thing in the middle of the board, and there's you know deck back building components to it. There's time travel as a theme. I don't know. Go check it out on Board Game Geek. It looks really cool. I like the theme like the, the artwork and the style to it. It's a little weird, like Cartoon Network 2005. Yes. Um, some Dexter's Lab vibes going on there, but I don't know. There's something about it. It, it, it seems cool. I, I do want to try it out. And a lot of people are very excited for it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just, I can't, I can't describe it properly. Apparently it's the loop. I don't know. Time loops. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, another one that people were talking about, it's Cora. Rise of an Empire, which is a re-implementation of Improvement of the Polis. Uh, this is released by Yellow Games, and um, it is a city-building game, you know, kind of ancient civilization city-building game, uh, but it's it's also a card-drafting game. So it's, uh, you know, you're, you're pulling cards and you're, and you're building out a thing. It's relatively quick. They say like 75 minutes, but from what I've seen, it's, you know, hour and a half, two hours, but not crazy long considering the weight of the game. Um, and I'm always a fan of any city building, ancient civilization, anything yellow has good production quality. So this is definitely one I would have tried out if I was there. Okay. All right. And then one more, I wanted to mention, I don't know if this is hotness at all. I just got excited when I saw it on somebody's Gen Con hall. Cause I didn't even know it was out is Iki. So yeah. Iki is a game that was on Kickstarter, uh, a long time ago, like five, yes. six, seven years ago. Yeah. And I was able to pick up a copy with your help, Chris, because they only mm-hmm. took cash at Gen Con, like in, I think, 2016. And I bought a copy. <laughs> and it is now one of my top 100 favorite games of all time. I love this game. Um, yeah. It's relatively straightforward, Rondell style, like you're launching these different careers of these different artisans in this market in Japan, and then they retire and give you these different abilities. Fantastic game. There is a new version of this uh, being published by, I have no idea who. I can't even tell based on the artwork on the game, but um, brand new artwork. It's larger square box, same basic mechanics. Uh, and it looks like the artwork inside the box is relatively the same. You have like the old cell um, woodblock uh, paintings and stuff. But I just, you know, I hope it actually gets mass produced and comes to the US so people get a chance to play it because it was always very hard to find. So that was cool. All right. And so those are the ones I saw that were for sale. Um, Lost Ruins of Arnak, Expedition Leaders. That's the hotness of hotness. People got a chance to demo that. The new expansion awesome. for Lost Ruins of Arnak. I mm-hmm. wish I got a chance to demo that. So I know CGE was there showing that off to people. Uh, Cascadia was very hot. Um, that was for sale from AEG. Um, let's see. I don't know if anything <laughs> else was like really hot but uh the new version of horrified i saw with the american monsters from robinsberger a lot of people are talking about that one Mm -hmm. um capstone games had a couple of new games out as well as the reprint of glass road that a lot of people were waiting for so you know i could go down this list for a while and and name a bunch of stuff (laughs) but honestly it was you know 
low key. It's what we expected. The biggest companies were not there. And even some of the big companies that were there didn't have everything they wanted to have. But there were still a lot of decent things. You know, many of these games I would have tried out. Some of them I might even have picked up. And uh, looking forward to get a chance to play them in the months to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of good, you know, games to come. And it was good to see the convention because I think that kind of refreshes everyone's like thought process about like, hey, people still want games. We want you to put these things out. We're, we're happy to see them. And it, more conversations, more professional development at the table. And I think that, you know, we could look to a little bit better of a situation with Origins. And then obviously, I think the best situation we'll probably see is Essen this year. Although I'm still very hopeful that a lot of the delays that we've seen with the shipping containers and everything else that's come along with it, that hopefully, hopefully, hopefully by PAX Unplugged, that will certainly be a situation that, you know, we'll actually see a massive amount of games for purchase and not just like, again, there's like a half a dozen other games out there that are just like, hey, it was in a glass case. And you're like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it when it actually comes out. So, <laughs> Yeah. I know, like, there was a lot of those, too. And you're like, that's cool. It's great to see the finished version of Frosthaven, how it's going to look. But if people couldn't play it or buy it, I don't know what you want sure. me to talk about. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. But, yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah, between Kickstarter and, obviously, COVID, it's become a situation where you just see games just indefinitely now. Where before it was, like, we talked about this with Asmodee, and especially from Fancy Flight, where those those games would just like be you know a real event like the revealing of a game and then all of a sudden there was like 400 copies available not just like hey this is a game you already saw on kickstarter so you're not excited <laughs> but here it is in a glass case that you could look at but you've already seen it on kickstarter so kickstarter <laughs> kickstarter <laughs> folks kickstarter so yeah 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 All right. Well, that's everything for us this week. Until next time, this is Chris. Hey, this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya!